Hello, podcast listeners. Hope you're enjoying your lovely day that you're having currently right now. Today, we're going to be talking a few things. First, we're going to be talking about how Carl Icahn loses proxy fight with McDonald's over animal welfare. Don't know why that's important, but we will talk about it because, like I said, we always talk about things that are happening on this podcast. We're then going to be talking about how chipmaker Broadcom is to buy VMware in a $61 billion deal, continuing the trend of this year of how a lot of companies are going to end up buying out each other this year. We're going to talk about how U.S. retail earnings show chasm among shoppers as inflation surges. And then we're going to be going into a little bit about how the first quarter GDP declined 1.5% and how it's worse uh, than thought as jobless claims edge lower and how this relates to potentially Microsoft currently right now as well. With that being said, guys, as I always say, before we start this podcast, I am not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is for information purposes and for entertainment purposes only. If you do need to make investment decisions, please go talk to your financial advisor as they would understand your financial situation a lot better than I would currently. With that being said, guys, let's begin with today's podcast. Carl Icahn loses proxy fight with McDonald's over animal welfare. From CNBC, activist investor Kyle Icahn lost his proxy fight with McDonald's on Thursday, signaling that shareholders weren't swayed by his animal welfare concerns. Preliminary counts of votes during the company's annual shareholder meeting showed that Icahn's board nominees only received votes from about 1% of outstanding shares, McDonald's said. Quote, Moving forward, McDonald's board and leadership team remain focused on continuing to take actions and uphold the advance our values while committing to serve the interests of our shareholders, the company said in a statement. Icon only owns 200 McDonald's shares, a tiny stake that didn't give him much influence over votes, and as a result show he failed to win over his fellow shareholders with his criticism of McDonald's environmental, social, and corporate governance commitments and calling out large Wall Street firms for hypocrisy. McDonald's chairman Enrique Hernandez Jr. said it prepared remarks obtained by CNBC that Icon was invited to speak at his nominations at the meeting, but he withdrew two days ago. Icon did not attend the meeting. A representative from Icon declined to comment to CNBC. Icon's proxy fight in February when the billionaire publicly criticized McDonald's for failing to meet its original deadline for eliminating its suppliers used as gas station crates for pregnant pigs. He also claimed the company was supposed to ban the use of crates entirely, but has since changed the scope of his commitment. It's ridiculous that now that... The only thing I'm going to say about this fully is, I mean, come on, Carl. 200 shares of McDonald's to influence what's really going on at McDonald's. To me, it just seems like Carl Icahn is just really trying to smoke screen what's really happening, at least in my honest opinion. Because later on in the article, it says that Icahn is waging a similar proxy fight at Kroger, the largest U.S. supermarket chain operated in the U.S. Kroger annual meeting is scheduled for June 23rd. I mean, there was an article, and I wasn't able to look into it as much detail as I'd like to, but it was talking about how Carl Icahn was doing extremely well in the first quarter of this year. It seems like there's always something bigger going on when these billionaires always speak out. I mean, when Nelson Peltz, for example, tried to do this with Procter & Gamble, at least Nelson Peltz had a like a large stake in Procter & Gamble because I remember receiving 
information to be able to vote whether or not to put Nelson Peltz in the board of directors at Procter & Gamble. But for Carl Icahn, it's, it's a little different. 200 shares, he didn't really care about this. So what's really going on is should be the question we should be asking, but we're never going to fully know fully. I mean, this is just insane. Why Why would you not, if, you, if he truly cared about this issue, then why didn't he have more shares? Could it also be too that he's just trying to smoke screen so that people don't get super mad at him because of how well I guess his company might be doing, at least from what I could gather in the article that I was looking at? At least from what I could read before it said, like, please subscribe if you want to understand more. But it just seems he's also probably just trying to get social points with with the with the world right now, currently of his social governance. Because he's he's done this a lot in the past few years, it looks like. He did this with ExxonMobil, it looks like, last year in 2021. And then in 2014, there was a huge investigation with him involved with insider trading. Maybe that's what's coming up. Maybe they're finally coming to an end to that investigation and there might be some big news and he's trying to smokescreen it. Or maybe the reporter that came out a few years ago and we're just just talking about it now. I don't know. It's just a little strange. 200 shares to be like, hey, McDonald's is not doing their 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 due justice. And then you don't even show up to the meeting. Seems a little suspicious, but... It just seems like he's just trying to, I guess, virtual signal what's going on and probably just to hide the fact that, there, that there's got to be some big news coming for him soon. Or maybe there's none at all. Who knows at the end of the day, but sometimes I personally think these these billionaires want to talk out just so that they can be relevant to society still. So we'll see. Next article, chip maker Broadcom to buy VMware in 61 billion deal from Rudders. Broadcom Inc. said on Thursday it will acquire cloud computing company VMware Inc. in a $61 billion cash and stock deal. The chip maker's biggest and boldest bid to diversify its business in enterprise software. The acquisition is the second biggest announced globally so far this year, trailing only Microsoft Corp's $68.7 billion, to deal, billion deal to buy video game maker Activision Blizzard. The offer of $142.50 in cash or 0. 0.2520 of Broadcom share for each VMware stock represents a premium of nearly 49% to the stock's last close. Before talks of the deal were first reported on May 22nd, Broadcom will also assume $8 billion of VMware's net debt. The chipmaker shares closed up 3.5% and VMware rose 3.1%. Broadcom's chief executive, Hock Tan, Hock Tan, who built his company into one of the world's biggest chip makers through acquisitions, is now bringing his deal-making playbook to the software sector. In one fell swoop, the deal will also triple Broadcom's software-related revenue to about 45% of its total sales. Broadcom will instantly be validated as a major software player with the acquisition of VMware. Uh, Futurium Research Analysis Daniel Newman said, Quote, having something like VMware will have a significant number of doors open for their current portfolio, Probably doesn't open for them, Newman added. I'm curious to know like how many more deals are gonna end up happening towards the as this year progresses. I mean, it just seems like it is a year of companies buying out each other. I mean, like we just talked about, the biggest one so far is Microsoft buying out Activision, 
Elon has bought Twitter, or at least he's attempting to. We might need to cover that a little bit more because there's some events that are happening there currently. At the same time, we're, we're just seeing, it just seems like companies are going to start merging potentially. Now, this is what I find interesting in this article too that they're talking about Broadcom. It said bid to diversify later on the article. And it said Broadcom's pivot into software started after its attempt to acquire mobile chip giant Qualcomm Inc., was blocked by former U.S. President Donald Trump in 2018 at a national security grounds. Since the Broadcom took over the business software firm uh, CA Technologies, Inc. for $18.9 billion, the acquisition's Simnatic Corp. security division for $10.7 billion. It also explored acquiring analytics software company SAS Institute, Inc., but did not proceed with the bid. And then it mentions down here, that they don't have, I believe it is, here it is. Broadcom doesn't have a track record of spending big on research and development, Keith Townsend analysis at advisory firm CTO Advisor said. This could bode poorly for a launch of new products at VMware, Townsend, who also had a brief stint at VMware as an enterprise data center architect said. I wonder, I mean, Broadcom, if if, if they're not good at research and development, maybe they're just running out of ways to make money currently right now. And it seems like, at least their opinion, they're like, well, if we buy this software player, then that could help us a little bit more for a little bit more time. I mean, it seems like an interesting deal, but it's also, I'm curious to know if it actually will be able to go through because I can see them having to go through Washington to prove that it's not antitrust. But if, I mean... Like we just talked about, Broadcom's pivot into software started after its attempts to acquire a mobile chip giant Qualcomm. And obviously that was blocked because that would con- considered a monopoly in the making. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, Broadcom, they're a chip maker and now they're going into software. Maybe that's where things are going. Or maybe the chips and software are going to be intertwined a little bit more going forward. Who knows? But... <clears throat> Next article, U.S. retail earnings show chasm amongst shoppers as inflation surges. Now, I've been talking about this a lot recently, and I will probably end up continue talking about this because it just seems it just seems things are not adding up currently right now. From New York Rudders, earnings from retailers this week illustrated a split in shopping patterns of more and less affluent Americans dealing with the high inflation in four decades. As high inflation has lifted prices of everything from TVs to toothpaste, lower-income consumers have curbed their spending habits, according to stores that cater to them. Higher-income shoppers have shown resilience, snapping up tailored suits, designer gowns, and footwear, according to the department stores that cater to them. On Thursday, Dollar General General said shoppers shoppers were purchasing more food and beverage products instead of apparel, home, and seasonal products. Reveal Dollar Tree said shoppers were responding favorably to its new greater value products and its broader range of items priced at $3 to $5. Stores under the Dollar Tree banner delivered their strongest quarter in company's history. Same-store sales surged 11.2%. At department store operator Macy's, which tends to draw middle to higher income consumers, shoppers spend money on non-essentials such as tailored suits, gowns, and beauty products. Sales at upscale Bloomingdale's department store rose 28% in the first quarter, while they rose 25% at luxury beauty outlet Blue Mercury. Macy CEO Jeff uh, Gannetti said that at households earnings more than 75000 yearly, the consumer was very healthy and, and spend levels were quite strong. 
Although households earning less than 75,000 yearly were most affected by inflation, Gennetti said they spend more time shopping at Macy's discount outlets. Towards the end of the article, it talks about too. Bigger rival Walmart disclosed its earnings last week that many shoppers were saving money by choosing more store brand pivotal label lunch meat, deli, bacon, and dairy items. Many lower income shoppers also shifted to buying milk in half gallon rather than full gallon containers, Walmart said. But even as Walmart, some more affluent shoppers bought higher priced items such as gaming consoles and patio furniture. I remember once talking to someone, it was either, I think it was my dad once, and he had mentioned that during 2008, like the dollar stores were doing really well because people couldn't afford to buy things during the recession. And it just seems like if the dollar store trees are doing really well right now, then there's a chance that things are not looking as good. Now, granted, maybe it's just a quarterly thing, who knows, but it just seems a little weird. And this kind of ties in with actually what is currently happening in China right now. Global firm worms warn of sluggish China demand due to lengthy COVID curves. Two months into the harsh COVID lockdowns that have choked global supply chain, China's economy is staggering back to its feet, but businesses from retailers to chip makers are warning of slow sales as consumers in the country slam the brakes on spending. Car sales in the world's largest automaker have slowed dramatically. Gamers are buying fewer consoles and people are unwilling to replace their existing smartphones, laptops, and TVs as prolonged COVID curbs crimp spending power and put more people out of jobs. Quote, the current China lockdowns have, have implication to both supply and demand, said Colette Kress, chief financial officer at U.S. chipmaker NVIDIA, which forecast on Thursday a 400 million hit to gaming sales from China's stringent coronavirus restrictions. Quote, you have a large cities that are in full lockdown, focusing really on other importing things for citizens there. So it's impacting our demand. At least 14 analysis have cut their price targets on Anivia following its latest earnings report, which the media price target now standing at $300 according to Refinitiv data. In line with China's zero COVID approach, Beijing with its 22 million population has clamped down on workplace attendance. Shanghai, the country's commercial hub and numerous other giant cities are also shackled by partial lockdowns, or other curbs. Retail sales in April shrank 11.1% year-on-year after falling 3.5% in March. UPS and JP Morgan lowered their full-year GDP growth forecast for China to 3 to 3.7% respectively earlier this week. I'm curious to know if this continues to happen because even later on, it says auto sales in China have faltered after years of blistering growth and global automakers especially have taken a hard knock. Sales of Teslas in China were company where the company has struggled to get production back to pre-pandemic levels was nearly wiped out last month. I'm curious to know because, well, and these, sorry, I keep doing this to you guys, but the last few things to talk about too on this is like, it says Apple supplier Foxconn warned that smartphone demand was slipping in China and the country just recently a mecca for luxury goods makers such as LVMH has seen luxury sales faltered. And obviously the most valuable company in, in China, Tencent, uh, posted its worst quarterly performance since it went public in 2004, blaming cuts in advertising spending by consumer, e-commerce, and travel business. They believe that when China bounced back to in this article that they won't have as quick as a recovery as Europe and the United States. I kind of don't believe that. I think people in China are going to want to travel a little bit more if they are in lockdowns. But I do kind of agree that the bounce back in the economy itself might not be able to bounce back as quickly. 
which potentially means that a lot of companies in the NASDAQ or the Dow or the S&P 500 are potentially going to get hit because a lot of those companies are exposed in China. Like, think about it. Starbucks is huge in China now. How hard is Starbucks going to get hit? I mean, it's just a coffee play, right? What about Apple's earnings? Is Apple going to get hit too? I don't I don't know what to think currently right now. It's just it's just a little weird to think that this is happening in China and no one's talking about it. I mean, it's just it's just a little strange. And then obviously this ties into this. First quarter GDP declined 1.5% worse than thought. Jobless claims edge lower. Okay? This is reported from CNBC and it kind of relates to the next article too as well. The U.S. economy contradiction to, sorry, the U.S. economy contraction to start this start the year worse than expected as weak businesses and pivotal investments failed to offset stronger consumer spending. The Commerce Department reported Thursday, first quarter gross domestic product declined at a 1.5 percent annual pace, according to the second estimate from the Bureau of Economic Analysis. That was the worst than the 1.3 percent Dow Jones estimate and a write down from the initial report 1.4 percent. Downward divisions from for both private inventory and residential investment offset an upward change in consumer spending. A swelling trade deficit also subtracted from the GDP total. The pullback in GDP represents the worst quarter since the pandemic scare in Q2 of 2020, in which the U.S. fell into a recession spurred by government-imposed economic shutdown to battle the COVID-19. GDP plummeted 31.2% that quarter. Economics largely expect the U.S. to rebound in the second quarter of some of the factors holding back growth early in the year subside. A surge in Omicron variant slowed activity, and the Russia attack on Ukraine abrogated supply chain issues that have contributed to a 40-year high in inflation. CNBC rapid update survey shows a medium expectation of 3.3% growth in the second quarter. The Atlanta Fed's GDP now track tracker also points to a rebound, but as more subdued 1.8%. Quote, this year will be mixed. Declines should not be repeated, but growth will not match what has been since the economy began reopening, said Scott Hoyt, senior director at Moody Analytics. With the Federal Reserve seemingly totally focused on bringing inflation back down, recession risks are uncomfortably high, although perhaps more than next year than this. I wish they would also mention too that one of the causes for the inflation is so much money printing right now. I mean, obviously this happened under President Trump a little bit where he he caused a lot of printing to happen to virtually save the American people. But at the end of the day, you got to stop printing money across the board. I mean, that's what's causing a lot of inflation to happen. And And it's also interesting to point out that they keep claiming this is the hottest job market right now. I, I I just, I don't get this fully. From Fidelity News from Reuters, the number of Americans filing claims for unemployment benefits fell more than expected last week as the labor market remained tight amid strong demand for workers despite rising interest rates and tightening financial conditions. But the outlook for the economy is uncertain with other data on Thursday, showing corporate profits falling across the board in the first quarter. Some economics believe that the erosion of profits and falling share prices could force companies to pause hiring or start laying off workers. Several retailers, including Walmart Inc., have lowered their full-year earnings forecast, citing high inflation 
Snap, the parent of Snapchat, issued a profit warning this week, sparking the sell-off of social media stocks. Quote, the biggest expense for most companies is labor, always, said Christopher Rupke, chief economic economicist at FWD Bounds in New York. High-flying tech companies have had their shares plummet, which have forced management to tighten their belts. And then obviously towards the end, it says initial claims for state unemployment benefits decreased 8,000 to a seasonal adjustment, 210,000 for the week ended May 21st. The Labor Department said the decline partially unwounded some of the prior week surge, which also pushed claims to the highest level since January. Okay, like I just mentioned, and and this is how we're going to end things today. They're saying that this is the hottest market for jobs right now. But then they're saying like, oh, but companies might have to lay off people. Okay. If this is really the hottest market, then why is Microsoft talking about this in the tech section of CNBC right now? Microsoft execs tell employees in Windows and Office groups to be more cautious in hiring. Microsoft is gearing up to pursue a more conservative approach to hiring and a part of a business that includes some of its most popular products. I can't even say that. This the vice president's name, so I'm not going to try right now, but the vice president in charge of office and parts of Windows told staffers in his group on Thursday to be more cautious when it comes to opening up new roles and request permission pretty much from Jay Hall's team, first according to a person familiar with the matter who has not authorized to speak about private deliberations. Bloomberg reported on the change earlier. The move comes a month before Microsoft starts its new fiscal year, a time when company regularly reorganizes more broadly. Microsoft and other companies across the tech industry are recalibrating at the catastrophic first half of the year for the market nears a close and inflationary pressure continues to mount. Facebook's parent meta chipmaker NVIDIA and social media company Snap have announced plans in recent weeks to hire less vigorously as COVID-19 pandemic and the war in Ukraine have added upward pressure on prices and dampened the outlook for the rest of the year. When asked about the memo, a Microsoft representative sent the following statement, quote, a Microsoft, as Microsoft gets ready for its new fiscal year, it is making sure the right resources are aligned to the right opportunity. Microsoft will continue to grow headcount in the year ahead and will add additional focus to where those resources go. Microsoft is still focused on retaining top talent in its stiff labor market. CEO uh, Stata Nadella announced two weeks ago, and the company is increasing the amount of money available for merit increase for employees. While Microsoft's stock has gone hammered this year along with the rest of the market, it is held up better than companies like Alphabet, Meta Platforms, and Amazon which have greater exposure to consumer activity and spending. However, companies reliant on business spending still face risk as clients tighten their budgets. Almost 88% of Microsoft roughly 11 billion in quarterly office revenue in, is commercially in nature, according to estimates from RBC Capital Markets. Office and Windows are still growing, but not as fast as Microsoft Azure Public. Let's see here. Azul public cloud business, which is sec- which is second to Amazon's web services and cloud infrastructure. Office and Windows should continue to grow in the current quarter, albeit at a s- s- slightly slower pace, Microsoft Financial Chief Amy Hood told analysis last month. I mean, like I said, if this is the hottest job market, then why are these companies being more hesitant to hire currently right now? Okay. It's probably because inflation's running too rampant and things are costing a lot. Okay. 
And probably because two people are probably going to be start asking more money in order for them to survive. Okay. Think about this. Okay. If you live in California right now, okay. Gas is in some parts, at least in Los Angeles, or at least last I heard was at $7 a gallon. Okay. I wonder what's it like in the tech bubble up in Silicon Valley as well. Silicon Valley has a lot of tech companies out there. And it's just really weird to think that these companies, I mean, you have to pay for top talent, but are they willing to pay for it? Are they willing to dig dig deep into their pockets? If you're making like less than $20 an hour right now, you're not doing so hot probably right now because you're, you're pretty much a lot of your money is going to be going to gas currently right now. It just seems like if this is really the hottest economy right now and people are trying to hire like crazy, then companies should be not tightening their belts. They should be wanting to hire as many people as possible, but it doesn't seem that way. And Articles are contradicting themselves sometimes across the board. And sadly, Wall Street's not talking about this, but we will continue talking about it. What's really going on, though? I, I'm. It's going to be interesting what happens in Q2 soon. If we have two consecutive negative growths, that means we are officially in that recession. If, if we do have some positive outlooks, then things will be okay. Or maybe just Wall Street's just spooked in general. But it, to me, it just seems a little weird that these companies are... I'm going to tighten their belts as quickly. I think businesses know what's coming. And I think a lot of the American people and people around the world don't really know right now. And so we're just going to continue to keep an eye out and see what's really happening so that we can keep talking about it here on this podcast. So with that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you did enjoy it. If you had, please like and share this video with friends and family so that we can continue to help grow this podcast. Every follow that we get leads to a potential download. And as we get more downloads on this podcast, this podcast can continue to grow and we can be able to expand hopefully sometime in the future. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Thank you and goodbye.